nothing worthwhile, the recognized symbol of excellence in crappy podcasting. We are aware of the pain that has been caused by the character letters that we wrote on behalf of Danny Masterson. We support victims. We have done this historically through our work and will continue to do so in the future. A couple months ago, Danny's family reached out to us and they asked us to write character letters to represent the person that we knew for 25 years so that the judge could take that into full consideration relative to the sentencing. The letters were not written to question the legitimacy of the judicial system or the validity of the jury's ruling. They were intended for the judge to read and not to undermine the testimony of the victims or re-traumatize them in any way. We would never want to do that. And we're sorry if that has taken place. Our heart goes out to every single person who's ever been a victim of sexual assault, sexual abuse, or rape. Protection breaks down and time runs out. Down goes Rodgers in the sack for Leonard Floyd. New this year and after spending three years with the Rams, the former first round pick of the Bears and now Rodgers sits down. A loss of 10 on the play and hopefully the Jets are thinking that's the only loss on that play. See what happened at the end of it. Take a look here at the very end and hard to see. Of course, he had the, the calf issue in training camp, but here's a little better look as far as what might have happened for him to go back down to the ground. And he's coming out of the game. And that means that a few plays into game one, Zach Wilson, the former number two overall pick, from BYU, who's made 22 starts in the NFL, has thrown 15. We're going to have to do a post fight. We're going to have to do a post fight show where we break things down because yeah, now, you, you got time on your hands. Yeah, yeah, I got okay. some time on All my right. hands All for right. for, oh, for the next two months. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Seven days ago, one of my satellites over Antarctica discovered a pyramid. Where exactly on the ice is this? It's not on the ice. It's 2,000 feet under it. Let's make history. Oh, my God. Whoever built this pyramid believed in ritual sacrifice. Did you hear that? What did you say this room was called? Sacrificial chamber. This door is all here. This whole thing was a trap. They're not hunting us. We're in the middle of a war. They're using us as bait. 
Yes, the big beefy fingers of one Andrew Gruthius counting <laughs> me down. Welcome to Nothing Worthwhile, episode 111. Today we're going to be doing wrestling, and oh yeah, if we have some time, we'll touch upon 2004, <laughs> Aliens vs. Predator. Maybe. Let's, yeah, maybe. Opening package, Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, apologizing for a letter that they submitted to the court for Danny Masterson. Folks may remember Danny Masterson was indicted or was found guilty on a rape found charge. Guilty. Found guilty. Oh, yeah, Andrew Gruthius. He'd be in jail for uh, prison for 30 years. Oh, yeah, Andrew Gruthius, Coconut Creek, Florida. Gru- should they have apologized? No. No. I don't think so because they're, they Here's shouldn't the have apologized. They should have explained it. But the, what they did was they didn't do anything wrong. They did what any, fa- what any friend or family member would do. They're not excusing the behavior. They're just saying, listen. This is the guy we knew. And I listened to what they said. This is the guy we knew back then. This is the kind of person that that we've always known him to be. And that that's what we know. And that's it. But And that got blown up into, oh, they're with the whole cancel culture and everything. It's, oh, they're supporting this guy who was convicted of rape. And that's not what they were doing. So, no, they should not have apologized. They shouldn't have, but I I believe the pressure was probably so intense. I agree with everything you said. Their letter is basically saying our interaction with this guy was positive, but we're not seeing we're not indicating anything in terms of his guilt or. But I just think the pressure is just, oh my god, it must be just tremendous. I don't know unless you're just individually wealthy and could thumb your nose at it, but it's just the pressure must be so massive. You know something? It's fun. It's interesting that you say that because. It makes me think of like the celebrities from like the 50s who we hear about who were just pushed over the top into drugs, a Marilyn Monroe or a, even a Judy Garland or James Dean or Pete or whoever. Or these guys who flamed out and burned out young, you know, they were dealing with basically the pressures of being the center of attention. What's now, your but connection? Now, but what's now. Your, what's your. Okay, give me your connection to that. I'm interested. Where are you going with Because, But now it's more than for the celebrities of today, there is a much, much bigger division between. It happens in athletics, too. There's a much bigger division between the idol and the idolaters or whatever, whatever you call the fans and the star. There's a much bigger divide back then. There wasn't. You would see these people walking down the street and through town, okay? Just like my dad used to go walk by Gil Hodge's house every day while on his way to school. These people lived in the neighborhood, and what happened to them was extraordinary. Here, there's a much bigger divide so that when anybody says anything, 7 million people can take it 20 million different ways and spin it however they want to spin it just because they're bored with their lives and they want to fuck with people. That's my that's my take on it. Because who where do you get that Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis wrote a letter? Would you be just as angry if Danny Masterson's father wrote a letter? The guy's their friend. Well, no, no, Danny Masterson's father, as far as I know, is not a celebrity. No, but uh, I'm just I, but I'm, I'm listen, just saying it's I, it's hypocritical. I, I agree with you. I just feel that the pressure to uh, to keep your brand yes to keep whatever, well that's all it to, is 
to keep whatever you, whatever deals in place must just sure, be. That's a, I think that I, I think that's all it is. I think that's all it is, and that's what the because yeah, you're right, Kushner. What's his name? Kushner. 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 Kunis. They're basically a brand. You're right. They have. They seem to have. They're like those people who have their hands in everything. Like almost like a Jay Z and Beyonce light. And I, don't, I and I don't mean that by pigmentation. Okay, so right. not go uh, there. Right, let's move on before we get too weighted down right. here. Uh, we had Aaron Rodgers four plays into his Jet career, blown Achilles. We were talking a little bit about football, so it made me wanted to ask you because you don't talk a lot about football. I know you're a baseball fan. I know you don't watch as much as you used to since your youth. Where do you stand on football? Are you a fan of a team? I never really I know you went to the Super Bowl, but are you a fan been, of a certain team? I've been to six Super Bowls. Okay, but are you a fan like of the Giants? Jets, I'm a I'm Dolphins? a da- I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I have the no reason, idea. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And you'll okay. appreciate the reason. Because we that, grew up we, I, watch. Yeah, I, okay. we grew up in a Giants family. Um okay. and so every Thanksgiving I'd go over to my cousin Alex's house, who you know, and our families would get together and watch what was always the Dallas Cowboys playing on Thanksgiving. And I think one year, one year it was the Giants versus the Cowboys on on Thanksgiving. That's happened every now and then, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And I remember the whole, everybody there, 30, 30, 40 people there rooting for the Giants. And Alex was the only one who was rooting for the Cowboys. And he had posters of Tony Dorsett and uh, Danny White in his room. And he was a Cowboy fan. So I said, you know what, Alex? I'm going with you. Because I didn't care about anything. I was, what, nine years old at the time. I didn't even care. So I was like, Alex, I'm going with you. I'm rooting for the Cowboys. And ever since then, I have rooted for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, as far as my, and that's the only reason, there's none else. I don't root against the Jets or the Giants. I'll never root against New York teams unless they're playing my favorite team, whatever that may be. But my attitude to segue into your second question, my attitude towards watching professional sports these days is down to, to pretty much zero because all I see is money when I'm watching sports now, even college. And to some extent, high school, I see individuality. I don't see the type of team oriented sport the respect for the games the love for the games the true action of the games i see nothing but individuals out there trying to boost their own brands and that just takes me out of the reality and the rawness of any real sports live sports activity i love to play them always love to play soccer i love to play baseball was never quite got the hang hang of basketball but I just don't like watching sports anymore because I don't see the sport anymore. I know that's a long answer to a short question, but it was a two-tiered question. But there no, you go. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. I just think as I've gotten older, I just don't care as much. Other things are a little bit more important to me. It's just, yeah. But I definitely agree with you. Third clip. So we like the fake sports. We do. Speaking there of fake go. sports, <laughs> uh, CM Punk was on a MMA broadcast. Our third clip, he was asked in regards to time, and he said, quote, I have two months to kill and pointed to his watch, perhaps an indication of connecting back with the WWE. So let me go right to it, Gru. Speaking of CM Punk, most major wrestling sites say that, indeed, CM Punk is in talks with the WWE for a return after almost 10 years. 
According to Nick Houseman in the House of Wrestling, this was as late as yesterday. It's reported that CM Punk is indeed a safe bet for the Survivor Series this year. The general belief within the WWE at this time is that if Punk does come back, it will be to the main roster. Of course, he's not going to NXT. One WWE source told Nick Houseman that it, it is, quote, a safe bet. He'll be at Survivor Series. WWE is keeping CM Punk references coming every week. There was apparently some kind of reference that Corey Graves made last night on SmackDown. Yeah, I, I was he, watching it live. I forgot what it was, but I remember being he like, ah. It was, a, it was a reference to the usual suspects. Depending on what website you read, they're in talks. They're not in talks. CM Punk's trying to boost it. Who knows? What knows? It's a fun clip anyway. We're going to talk a lot of wrestling stuff, but let me get just quick thoughts. We've talked about CM Punk. I don't know what more we can add, but what do you think? Just a reaction to that. I had not known about that clip. I didn't know I didn't know that he had uh, done that. I believe that CM Punk will 100% be back in WWE. I agree. Sooner rather than later. Um, I agree. It benefits, even if it's short term, it benefits both. It benefits both sides. It benefits Punk and it benefits the WWE. And if it goes sour, but it'll give you... It'll give you a few weeks of needle-moving ratings. Not that we need our needles moved. I, I always <laughs> want my needles moved. But <laughs> I, I enjoy a, a good a needle uh, Yeah, moving. but I definitely, I definitely think they're in talks. One of the sort of conspiracy theories is that Punk is putting this stuff out there to get the WWE to start talking. I don't think that's the case. I think. Yeah, but, I, by the way, your screen's frozen. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, I told uh, you it's going to go back and right. forth. I told you. All right. So uh, as long as the sound is working, so, that's all we need. Yeah. And so my thing is, so what if he is putting it out there? No, nothing wrong uh, with it. I agree. Absolutely um, nothing. I agree with everything Andy said. I think Andy's kind of coming around a little bit on it. Your feelings, myself included, by the time at the end of his original run, I was not a fan. But there's just too much on the plate to ignore and i agree i think I, I always subscribe to where there's smoke there's fire there's just too much stuff out there for me to say you know what i think this is a diversion or a distraction i i do think cm punk is eventually wwe bound whether or not it's survivor series i think that's where it perfectly lines up chicago but yes i think cm punk clip what's phil brooks, brooks will yeah. be wwe bound. yeah yes. i just hope um, they don't i i just hope they don't like bump some of the like hardcore plans they've had you know like i don't want to see him in line for the title at wrestlemania over cody rhodes or i don't want i don't want him to jump in and make a huge like supposedly they're already they've got their two men's titles and two women's title matches booked for wrestlemania that's what i read all right so that's good that's good yeah um all right, Gru. All right, so you're. All right, so can we can we get to a huge breaking news? Can we get to nothing worthwhile? Breaking news. You'll just have to tell me when this. All right. Wait a second. What's going on here? This is taking way too long for breaking news. Oh, 
really not that big of a deal. Hello? <laughs> what, what's going on here? I can, we, we, we can just talk to you. Ladies that was the new one from Whitney Houston. I will always love you off the Bodyguard soundtrack. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as we go over to breaking news with Evan Moody. Sorry about that, everybody. We just oh my God. screwed up I, I, Oh, yeah. A 20-minute hey, intro. Been, for, a, for we a haven't done breaking news in a while. So all right, but I told you, know. you well in advance. Get no, no it, wasn't, it wasn't that. It was. It, it's, we're having all kinds of technical glitches today. So. All right, technical glitches. Andrew, huge breaking news. I know you're, uh, you're really excited. Billy Joel Radio is back on Sirius XM. Yes. Thoughts? Thank you. I know you're very... Yeah, it uh, that came was, back. It was it, all that set up for a joke. Billy Joel Channel is back for the umpteenth time. I know you're excited for the next episode of BJ the DJ. I do listening to, I, it, it always goes on my favorites, but the problem is that I think it started, what, yesterday? It started uh, you, yesterday, three, yeah. and, it, and it's already gone. They changed uh, really? it. To, it's Christmas songs now. No, Get I'm, just, I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> but would that surprise you? The way, like, why not just keep it? You, uh, I, mean, I agree. Is, uh, I, I mean, think that I, I absolutely <laughs> agree. They might as well just keep. Yeah, I mean, and those, you know what? And, those... and they could. It costs nothing because you know what? At this point, the extra stuff doesn't matter. Just press play and let the entire songbook play out. <laughs> What's wrong well, with that? What's wrong with that? Well, it's perfectly there's fine. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong. Um, the Billy Joel anecdotes actually are a lot of fun. It's just that they've been doing it now for five years, and there's really very. They'll add maybe one small concept to say, "Hey, it's fresh," but it's you know, I love the anecdotes. I love Billy's little non sequiturs and the things, the bumpers that they do to introduce the songs. Uh, I, I just, but if that, but if the reason that they keep taking it off after just a few weeks or whatever is that they don't have enough content like that, then you, don't take the channel down. The, during those months, just play the music. It's fine. Play everything. We don't, we don't need... Uh, when I turn on U2 radio every now and then, what are they doing? They're playing U2 music. I turn on the Grateful Dead channel. What are they doing? They're playing Grateful Dead music. Every now and then, there's like the Dix picks or hey, whatever. But this, so they, but, all right. But we don't need... We don't need... Absolutely need the... Now, E Street Radio has become a thing of its own. All right. But that's because they stuck with it. They stuck with it and saw that they needed to continue. And like you said, build the brand. Billy doesn't have that kind of interest, but I do as a subscriber to the service. So I would love to have the Billy Joel channel 24, seven, 365. Why not? Doesn't make sense. I think some of those legacy, those niche channels, they really open up. They have a lot of live content, which is really what I like to listen to. And I don't. I know Billy's definitely got more live content, but and they have opened up some of the live stuff a little bit. But my God, well, maybe the trouble is it. that the live content is pretty much all the same. Fine, but I'd love to hear Syracuse, New York, nineteen ninety two. I don't yes, care. Yes, no. no yeah, you want to know something? I would rather hear that stuff. The nineteen ninety three on. That that mid that late nineties run at the garden. I'd love to hear things like that, like concerts yeah. that maybe we have been to, rather than something from like nineteen seventy five or seventy six that 
I, I don't know. For some reason, that's not what I like to like with East Street Radio. I like hearing the current tour rather than something from well, 1978. East Street Radio does it better. They open up the entire live catalog and well, Bruce is involved, know. so that's the key. I think. Okay. Yeah, I just think I don't know. It comes to Billy, it's like bare minimum. Just get it through. Like everything you else know, with Billy, for God's sake. The, the, the Grateful Dead channel, Pearl Jam, Dave Matthews. They really open up the whole live catalog. You two, they play the same live stuff over again, the same two or three concerts. But they do some other stuff. They have guest DJs. They play other international artists and things like that. I like U2 radio, but I don't listen to it that, I mean, that much. Look, I haven't done the research, obviously, but... Who listens to Sirius XM the most? Is it kids or is it adults? I would think probably adults. Probably kids, you're kid, right. Kids are listening to whatever crap they've got in their iPods or whatever. So okay. I would think that the Billy Joel channel would be something that that would get more listening as as the days go by. I think early on, just gauging by social media when they first introduced it, it was a ton of interest. I I could just remember on Facebook, people were very excited. Now that we're in the seventh uh, iteration, not so much. There's just really not a lot new there. And Billy hasn't done anything creatively in, in a super long time. But I agree with you. Just leave it on. So a guy no like me not. can't criticize it when they bring it back. All right, yeah. Gru. Before we get to two of the biggest horror sci-fi icons of all time, it's not five things. It's about 15 things we are talking about this week. It's nothing worthwhile. The week that was... New You Life Center presents Nothing Worthwhile, The Week That Was. Listen, before we get to The Week That Was, I'm looking at your camera shot, and uh, there's a big, beautiful box of Cocoa Puffs sitting on top Is of there? your uh, fridge. Where? Oh, yeah. That's Cocoa Pebbles, gluten-free. Cocoa Pebbles, gluten-free? <laughs> no, it's, it, yeah, it's Cocoa like, Pebbles. He's like he's 15 years old. I gotta love, love Cocoa it. I've... I love cocoa pebbles. I do. I love cocoa pebbles. I was like, I don't think I've eaten cocoa pebbles in 20 years. <laughs> They're really good. I used to, my my uh, strategy with cocoa pebbles was get all the cocoa pebbles and then slop down the milk because yeah. it was like chocolate milk. <laughs> that was my strategy. I, is it bad that I am a high school history teacher? <laughs> And that all day, every day, I look forward to my bowl of cocoa pebbles in the evening. <laughs> no, it's just I, I was thinking like <laughs> that's I, what I'm actually, thinking about. So the Treaty of Versailles really divided Germany, and then oh my god, I can't wait to get those fucking pebbles. <laughs> I know it's the little things. It's the little things. <laughs> Our week that was is brought to you by New You Life Center. Begin a new you. Check out all their medical weight loss programs, all their stuff at New You Life Center. Dot com. Give them a call, 602-274-0068. Moody, Gru, tell them that we sent you. Get a big 15% off your first service. Marie, Dr. Cynthia, and the crew, thank you to New You Life Center. A group, I know we've talked about this before, the notion of the Mile High Club, but if you were on a plane and you were waiting online for the bathroom <laughs> and said person, you opened up the door and saw two people butt-ass naked the guy's got the girl <laughs> bent over the sink, so to speak. And would you be like disgusted? Would you be like slightly intrigued or would you be just ambivalent about it? I'd probably be 
amusingly ambivalent about it. It depends who it is. If it's two really disgusting people. What do you mean? It's like, a- all right. It's Anthony like, Kutcher and like Mila if, Kunis? Like, if it was Mila Kunis, I'd be like, yeah. Can I join in? But if it was like somebody like me, all right, I'd be like, come on, dude. But if it was like two attractive people, I'd be like, all right, hey, I can wait. Or there's another bathroom. Do what you got to do. <laughs> uh, the reason why I'm explaining this is EasyJet. I don't know. There's probably <laughs> some, some small. Isn't that, wasn't that the name of the uh, airline that Rusty Griswold flew in the, <laughs> in the vacation reboot? I <laughs> love that scene so much. <laughs> I love that Thank scene. you, Rusty, for getting uh, my back last week. Anyway, the... footage posted on X. Formally Twitter. I don't, at this point, do they have to say formally Twitter? Like oh, there's yeah, a flight they... attendant. Oh, you all right? No, I was just uh, saying, okay. oh, yeah, about the the ex-Twitter thing. So the man, the flight attendant outside, and the flight, a male flight attendant, he grabs the door, and all you hear is, oh, my effing God, as uh, passengers saw an X-rated moment. Officials with EasyJet confirmed to the Daily Star UK that a sexually charged incident happened on the plane on September 8th after the plane departed from the UK. Police were notified, although it's unknown if any arrests were made. We can confirm that this flight from Luton to Ibiza, I think that's Spain, was met by police on arrival due to the behavior on two passengers on board. Grew, please check your monitors. Hopefully it's going to work. So you can get this enjoyable. I see two dogs. Enjoyable. Oh, wait, hold it. I see me. Enjoyable soft ah, corn. Okay. Do you see that? Yes, I can see it. I can't right, hear so anything think, though. Let me see. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, is there sound? It. No. All right. No, I'm just so we're just looking. Here. Here we go. So let's I can't really oh. That's awesome. <laughs> Listen to the reaction. Hey, one That's more time. A Here pop we go. right there. Here goes the flight attendant. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Are they? They're not screaming in horror. They're like they're excited. They're having fun. See, you know what I take from this? If I'm what's it? Econom, the, economy. Easy jet. Easy jet. <laughs> Easy jet should be like yeah. We're the party airline. You come again and do what you want. Just as long as we follow FAA safety regulations. So you want yeah, with a swingers jet, with, with whatever. They should own it. They should. They're not freaking Delta. They're not American Airlines. They're, they're this upstart whatever. They should own it and have fun with it. Take it to the next millennium. Why not? Interesting marketing strategy. I just don't think that's happening because people's behavior on planes are worse than ever. It's like you you fly on a plane is a really good chance these days that uh, something someone's going to get drunk, get into a fight. Everyone's going to have their cameras out and uh, somebody's looking to be Instagram famous for, for two minutes. Yeah. Yep. It's just, it's not just planes. It's everywhere. Uh, you so- know, I, honestly, like I go on a plane and I'm just like, please, uh, I, I just want to make my destination without any hitch. Please everybody act somewhat normal yeah see i i'm with you with that just it's like even with the bed just shut the fuck up and sit down so we can get to where we're going but, yes uh, i agree but people are just i don't know people are uh, collectively losing their minds and <laughs> in many ways 
rightly the world look what's going look what even happened this morning in israel jesus christ what the hell enough everybody yeah, needs it's... to start smoking weed is what needs to happen really but uh, oh shut up don't some... even i'm not a fan I, I haven't smoked in <laughs> I, I think since 22 when i went to the, my last 20, yeah, 20, Dead yeah 2022 anyway no but yeah you're right every so that's why this easy jet should be like you know what this is the airline where you're going to come on as long as you buckle your seat when you're supposed to and you do this thing and you do everything you're supposed to then you want to tell somebody to go fuck themselves you want to do that thing do whatever you want that's why southwest was always good because their like flight attendants had attitudes and they were famous for it you know what i mean yeah no i know what you mean i'm not a huge fan of southwest because it's like zones and there's no assigned seats and i'm ocd i got to get my assigned seat but i'm the guy who like always pays extra to get a seat assignment because i don't want to go in there and be stuck in between two loads or I don't know. <laughs> I'm, uh, with you, I'm with you on that one. I always uh, speaking of a load, you are a baseball fan. And one guy who seems to cannot get out of his own way is a rod, Alex Rodriguez. Mm. This is going back a couple of weeks, but it was reported that the former Yankees third baseman revealed to federal agents in 2014 that he had been told by biogenesis, uh, founder, Anthony Bosch. That was the company that provided him all the performance enhancing stuff. He's, he said that Manny Ramirez, Ryan Braun, and, and one other all-star player were also using performance-enhancing drugs and were clients, according to documents obtained by ESPN. The third all-star has never tested positive for PEDs. That's what ESPN is stating and was not named in the story. Uh, A-Rod gave the agents those names when he met with the two assistant U.S. Department of Justice attorney and seven, wow, Seven Drug Enforcement Administration agents in January of 2014. My God, seven agents for dopey baseball players and performance-enhancing drugs. Grew this meeting came several weeks after he received that record 211-game suspension for violating MLB's PED policy, which earned him a ban for the entire 2014 season. He was granted queen-for-a-day status by prosecutors per the report which allowed him to share details without fear of legal prosecution. Manny Ramirez grew, got a 50-game suspension in 09 while with the Dodgers. That's already while his career started to flag. Uh, he was hit with a 100-game suspension in 2011 while with the Rays, but he never served that ban, instead opting to retire. Ryan Braun received the suspension in 2013. Uh, A-Rod admitted for the first time in, in, in the meeting that he used PEDs, which he purchased from Bosch. Uh, he paid roughly $12,000 per month to Bosch for doping protocols fueled by testosterone cream, <laughs> red gummy-like lozenges <laughs> containing testosterone and human growth hormone from 2010 to 2012. Uh, the report also included that A-Rod admitted to federal agents that he lied to Yankees President Randy Levine in 2012, in which he did not admit to having a relationship with Bosch. Grew A-Rod declined comment for the story to ESPN, which is one of his current employers. Grew A-Rod. Is A-Rod one of the all-time great to do an all-time rat? First of all, I, I'm not quite sure why this is even still going on. A-Rod's been retired how long at this point? He's been, I think he retired maybe 2014, 2015. So he's been retired for, I think, probably about 
six, seven years. So can't we just say that everybody was using the shit and move on with our lives? They got their testing think, now. They're th- testing now. They're doing whatever they're supposed to be doing. Whatever it is, people are going to put whatever shit they want in their own bodies. And look, if... Okay, let me please just ask this. Fair enough. I don't disagree with you. But I think the point is he... Uh, I don't want to say ratty because I'm not like some Italian mobster. But he, he sold out some of his friends. He's been on TV palling around with Manny Ramirez. It sounds like when the heat was on, he he folded and gave names. Yes. And I don't know... Look, I guess... And you know what really pisses me off about A-Rod? Because I, I don't know how to feel about him. He did win a championship in 09, and he did contribute mightily in the postseason. He had a great postseason that year. But he goes on Mike Francesa for a two-hour rant. I remember that. Innocence. And the guy just lied. You get caught one time, I'll give you grace. You do it a second time? Come on. I, it's just, it's, it's the, the mid, like the nineties and early two thousands steroid era is never going away. Focus on the players of today. What's the purpose? Like here. All right. So let's say the federal government is going after a rod and the only way to protect himself and his family is to do what he did. Having never been in that situation. Thank God I could never possibly make, I, I no decision would be tougher. Because it's, all right, am I going to take the fall for everybody else? Or should these people be coming down with me? There are There's two ways to look at it, okay? Especially, you're not, because A-Rod is not a gangster. He was a ball player, okay? There, there's, a different, there's a different thing going on here. But the bigger question to me is, why is the federal government still talking to A-Rod? What's, what's going on? What yeah, way? I don't think they are. I think this has just been unearthed. Meaning somebody oh, that he did something. it year, years ago. Yes, Guess what? It was years ago. And whatever happened to whoever has happened and everybody seems to be doing all right. It's except, funny, guys, the, except uh, of course, the ones who are dead. <laughs> it, it's know. funny because Gru and I went through a similar situation. And Gru said to me on the phone, I will not cave in to federal prosecution and they sat him down and he went Evan Moody 104 West Missouri Avenue Uniform Phoenix Arizona <laughs> and all that and, all, and all they asked me was and all they asked me was do you just want some coffee <laughs> Evan Moody October 30th 1970 social security number one zero yeah hey look when your back's against the wall you do funny things all right but uh, I don't get- I'm done with hating on A-Rod look one more thing about the steroid thing. I, I Bond should uh, yeah. be in the Hall of Fame. They all Agreed. should be in the Hall of Fame. Agreed. If because if Barry Bonds and Rafael Palmeira were were both on steroids for their whole careers, like everybody's saying, then why didn't Rafael Palmeiro hit 800 home runs? He didn't. Barry Bonds still had to be a great ball player. Steroids is not about making you stronger. It's about making your body able to recover. Your muscles are able to recover more easily. So I, you still have to be great. And I don't care what anybody says. Not that would I know anything in, about anything. I'm just, would you be in favor of some kind of asterisk with a statement? No, absolutely not. There's not even for records are records and things are things. Let them be. Okay. Why? Just because. Babe, all right, so Babe Ruth did what he did in fewer games, but he's but the guys still did what they did. So asterisks, 
are just they're just a way of creating controversy that brings attention to things that otherwise wouldn't get attention. You know what? I'm in favor for it. Remove Cy Young because he was a bad person. Remove no. his statue. I'm, I'm joking. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. My, I agree with you. No. I mean, Babe they, Ruth ate hot dogs. It's unhealthy. Remove you his can't statue. run away. Either. This opens up, and uh, I, I promise I'll end it here. But this opens up a an issue that's going on right now about erasing history. And erasing history is, is never healthy, whether it's baseball or whether it's wars or whatever it's the country. So it's, it's, it, this is the same kind of thing. You know, we got to stop. We got to stop judging based on times that were, I don't know. All right, let's move on before I get in trouble. God bless <laughs> America. This land is your land. Your land. Okay, this um, land is my land. <laughs> Let's see. All right, Greer, let's get to speaking of steroids. We got a ton of wrestling news. Oh. So let's hit it piece by piece. On September 12th, Endeavor now has the two biggest combat sport brand, UFC and WWE, under their portfolio, an estimated worth of over $21 billion. As of September 12th, Greer, the new entity will be trading on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticket symbol TKO. Quote, we sit at the epicenter of large and fast-growing markets, Endeavor President Mark Shapiro promises. We live in a world of the superfan. TKO Group Holdings was birthed as a public company this month with the completion of Endeavor's acquisition of the WWE, the long-dominant pro wrestling company owned and operated for 70 years by the McMahon family. Grew Endeavor leaped at the chance to acquire the WWE franchise because it's a natural companion business for the UFC. I do agree with that the world's most popular mixed martial arts league, which Endeavor bought for $4.1 billion in 2016. The formation of TKO as a separate stock is designed to attract investors who only want to put money into sports-focused ventures rather than bet on the fortunes of the entirety of Endeavor. Endeavor has stuff like Professional Bull Riding League, New York Fashion Week, <clears throat> and other art, fashion, and lifestyle event franchises. Mark Shapiro grew sees no end to the growth opportunities that lie ahead for TKO and Endeavor with the UFC and WWE brands. Quote, these are highly engaged global fan bases who are young, diverse, and incredibly passionate. Shapiro says of the UFC and WWE demographics, they're seeking sports, entertainment, music, live events, and premium experiences, all of which we specialize in. Gru, we do specialize in talking about the WWE. Thoughts on the big merger? As long as it doesn't affect the product in a negative way, I'm all for it. If that means a bigger budget, if that means new ideas and new places. And look, if we had said 20 years ago, would we want WE to be the way it is now? We'd have said no. And yet here we are still watching every single week, talking about it nonstop and going to the live events. Every time I say, no, don't change. We still hang on and we still go with them. So absolutely, take it to wherever you want to go with it. Just make sure it's good. As long as it's good, make whatever's gonna whatever's gonna pot, bring in more money and more talent. I'm all for it. So yeah, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine with it. I what I don't want to see is I don't want to see crossover. I really don't. I I don't need to see. I I don't need to see that. 
I don't need to see the current UFC guy show up in, in a WWE ring and just distract everybody. I just I don't need to see that on a regular basis. Once, I don't think you I don't think you will, good. but I think there'll be some crossover and yeah. I actually think it would be fun to see Well, uh, if once in a while, like they did with the Velasquez or like they did with Rousey left one to go to the other. But yeah, for one-offs, yes. But I just don't want to see every week a new a new dude just no, I showing up. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want I, I don't want that. But look, since it's happened, since the merger happened and became official, the WWE has been shooting nothing but has been fantastic. It was doing well before, but it's been very consistent. Bring it, keep doing it. I think if if there had to be a a scenario in which the WWE was quote unquote sold. This is really, I think, the best scenario. A, a a company that deals in combat sports, Vince McMahon, Dana White, two of the guys who are considered probably top promoters in the fight game. I see synergy, and I'm very hopeful. I, I can't disagree with Gru, but I think if there was a scenario, this is the best one. Looking forward to the future with Endeavor, TKO, and the WWE. Yeah. Bruce, speaking of the WWE, WWE announced a drastic change on their WWE television home. It was announced last Thursday that SmackDown, Andrew, will be moving from Fox to the USA Network in 2024. Fox had paid WWE 205 mil for the rights for Smacky. WWE got a nice bump in its new deal with the USA Network, which is reportedly forking over 287 mil for SmackDown which will continue to air on Friday nights. As part of the new deal, SmackDown will also air four primetime specials on NBC. As for Raw, we don't know yet. New television deal won't be announced probably anytime soon. One can speculate where Raw may end up. Andrew, SmackDown coming to the USA Network. Big NBC primetime specials. Monday Night Raw, NXT up in the air. Andrew, you report, we decide. I didn't know about this. So that so this is official. Yes. And when so when so. all right, so 2024 is a couple months away. When does this take effect? I think mid 2024. I don't have the okay. exact date. I think I, I would like it if everything was in one place. If everything stayed on uh, USA, I'm good with that. But I think uh, eventually uh, it will all move to actually no, it won't. Or should it? No, I don't it's know. funny. It's funny cuz they they're, they're selling them as individual pieces. And that's probably a way to maximize, maximize money. I think this is a good deal. The only criticism I've heard listening to some different podcasts and whatnot is USA Network doesn't have the clearance like Fox, whatever number of homes. But obviously, you got a, a nice bump in, in money. So I think the four primetime specials is. Yeah, that's a big deal. Could, could be nice as well. I think overall, I would see it as a, a net positive for the WWE. Saturday night's main event return? Yeah, Ooh. possibly. I could get into that. But uh, yeah, look, I try not to like I, I try not to overanalyze all these backdoor deals or whatever's going on. Cause it, Nothing end, backdoor it, about it. Like behind the scenes stuff. Because it really doesn't affect me unless it affects the what they're putting on the screen. I think USA has done an incredible job with Raw for 30-something years. No reason why SmackDown should be any different. And NXT's already on USA, so keep it all there or move it all somewhere else. But keep, I would say keep it together. If, if uh, AEW, are they just on TNT? Yes. Yeah. 
but does that mean that eventually one of like WCW did? Will they will one of them like open up a show on TBS or something because they're affiliated? Is that how it works? I don't know. I don't know. No. That again with the same with the other thing. What do whatever you want as long as I can watch it and it's good. We have no problem. Thank I don't you, have Andrew. To, I don't have to call a meeting. Okay, good. Please don't. <laughs> Speaking of SmackDown, Andrew, the man who is frequently credited with the show title, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, made his return to the WWE on Friday, September 15th. On the Friday, September 15th episode of SmackDown, it was such a surprise that it is now the most viewed video on social media this year. WWE announced on Monday, the Monday following, that the video had been viewed over 103 million times. The Rock appeared at the top of the show during a segment with Pat McAfee and Austin Theory. He hit Theory with his trademark people elbow to send the Denver crowd into a frenzy. This was his first WWE appearance in four years, as it comes during the WWE's first show, SmackDown, after the merger. Uh, earlier in the day, while appearing with Pat McAfee on ESPN's College Game Day, The Rock stated that there was indeed an agreement in place to wrestle Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 39, but essentially they couldn't agree on creative and, quote, decided to put the pencils down. Grew after The Rock's appearance on SmackDown. WWE fans are surely hoping for one last match from the great one, perhaps at WrestleMania 40 in Philly next year. Grew, I got, let's going to just share real quick. La, da, dee, la, da, <laughs> let's take a look at the pop for The yeah. Rock. Appearing on SmackDown. Here we go. That's got to be just so amazing if you're the oh, yeah. I'm getting goosebumps just watching it. I remember I was texting you. I was like, because yeah. you're three hours behind. I'm like, listen, do not look at the spoilers. Obviously, I knew something was up if you're texting me. Yes, but I didn't want you to know what. Yeah. I, I, you know what the cool, one of the coolest things about it is that, and which is rare these days, I knew nothing about it beforehand, and it didn't seem like anybody else did either. I had heard afterwards that there were some rumblings, because, but I didn't even know he was on Pat McAfee's show. I didn't well, know about I any think, of that yeah. because it was all on the same day. I think I didn't either, but I was not completely shocked knowing that he was on with Matt, with McAfee in Denver. So when I heard it, um, I was surprised, but I wasn't like completely shocked because they were in town. I think the most interesting piece was beyond the appearance was he confirmed that indeed he was supposed to wrestle at WrestleMania 39. And quote unquote, they decided to put the pencils down. I, I guess whatever agreements weren't wasn't put in place. Grew the Rock returns for one night. And what do you think about what is the future hold for the Brahma Bull and the WWE? The return was great, not just because because it, it was done very well. They kept it under wraps, and it wasn't just hey and then gone. He actually served a purpose, did something, did it well. And it was everything we saw that night with him was terrific. I love the thing with he and Cena backstage. That was fantastic. The pop for that. Did you hear that? When Cena approached him, that was great. So from that end, terrific. But it was a one-off. It, it's not connected to anything. 
he was in town. He was he, he and McAfee were like, hey, let's do this. And of course, anytime The Rock is, wants to go on you on the show, he's going on. So um, it was done very well as far as the future is concerned. From what I understand, see, the original story seemed to be that The Rock decided he wasn't in good enough wrestling shape. That yes, they were going to do it, but at the toward towards the end, he didn't feel he could put on uh, a, a good enough match for WrestleMania. That was the story then. So now what he's saying is that he wanted it to be something different than what it would have been. From what I understand, he wants to be the face of this whole Endeavor thing. And I think that's the direction he was. So he wants to win the title. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hearing on what you're saying. And that's not good for WWE, in my opinion. Because he doesn't fit into really anything other than the bloodline to be quite honest i i think you would agree with that so i do that's the story you got to keep it there i hate to sound like bully ray but that's where the story is and you got to keep him there he seems to want to be bigger than that and i just don't i think that would hurt rather than help everything underneath it that's my feeling yeah, I agree with you. I think if you're the WWE, you got to hold firm on your storylines. You've invested a lot of time, obviously, into Cody Rhodes, the bloodline. You got to see that. Yeah. You got to see that payoff. Actually, post Rock's appearance, if I was to give a percentage, I'm going to go down to 25% that we'll see The Rock at WrestleMania 40. Really? Yes. I go, I go higher than that right now. What do you okay? What's your number? I I go with sixty percent. I think now that the seed was publicly planted, there's going to be a lot of pressure to make something happen. That's what I think. So I think I, I don't what think do it's for do? sure. What I do don't, you, and I don't even. Well, hold on. <laughs> I can't see you first of all, but what do you do with Cody Rhodes? That's the thing. See what I right now. What I would love to see is what I wanted to see last year. Okay, same thing. I'd want to see Roman headline both nights or at least maybe no his his match with the rock needs to unfortunately be the main event of night 2 that's got to end wrestlemania because what I'd like to see is Cody take the titles on night 1 and Roman beat the rock for the bloodline on night 2 and that ends the rock's part of the story and Roman sort of has, and the bloodline sort of becomes like a faceish thing, a more respected thing by that match, by Roman being beaten the night before for the titles, but then he beats the true greatest of all time on night two and goes out and earns respect, and I'd like to see where it goes from there. That, to me, accomplishes a whole lot of things. The one thing that it destroys is the other title which they are trying uh, okay. to no but you have to but no i understand but you have to take into account that one of those night like nothing else would make sense on paper other than for each night to main event the title so you have to expect that rollins is or whoever's wearing that title is going to be in the main event of night one but 
barring that, I don't agree with that. Okay, I, 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 I hope I'm wrong. That. I hope I'm wrong. But so barring that, I that's what I would love to see with the Cody Roman Rock saga. Now that being said, there are still a lot of other ways they could go with it. Uh, anything else, Andrew? Uh, listen, I, I got to interject here. <laughs> I'm Intri- done anyway. In- intriguing, intriguing concept. The one thing I was thinking about while hearing it is you're that's a risky proposition because God forbid Roman gets hurt night one and then can't deliver night two. But it's intriguing. It's a good point. You're not the you're not the first wrestling fan or uh, pundit to float out that notion for a two night mania in Philly. Forty, nice round number. Philly, insane sports city. I think the number one sports city in the country. That's just my opinion. Not Sunrise, uh, Florida. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> Florida. Is, no. But I think you know. I think it's all lined up there. Uh, if I'm just reading the tea leaves, I feel like. Post the SmackDown appearance, less momentum. I don't know. I feel like they're starting to heat it up for CM Punk. And I think actually for me, you're probably not going to like this comment, but I think CM Punk's the biggest get out there. And uh, that's where I would go with it. I couldn't couldn't agree more. Because I was thinking, I don't know if you agree with this analogy, but why why would it be so big for me? I think because of the history and the acrimony, it's going to be so tremendous to see him back in the WWE ring. It's almost like why, in, to a certain extent, Van Halen with David Lee Roth was such a bucket list concert. There's so much history there. So much bad-mouthing. Yeah. David Lee, Eddie, CM Punk. He goes on Colt Cabana's podcast and bashes the WWE. Triple H bashes it. It's just, so for him to actually make his way back, if I'm going to get somebody, I'd rather have him actually than The Rock. Love to have I, both, but that's just where I'm going with it. I might agree with you. <laughs> Thank you. I might agree with you <laughs> to a point because, but here's the thing. Here's what I would do, and I'm curious to hear what you would do. Here's what Go I would ahead. do with CM Punk if he's coming in. I would basically use him to try and sell that title. Put him right into a put him right into a thing with Rollins, and let them have some fucking wars over that thing, and add some legitimacy to it. And I think CM Punk could be used for that purpose. Keep him away from Roman. Keep him away from the bloodline. Keep him focused on that thing to build that I, thing up. And I think I, that might work. I agree. And if you remember. Two weeks ago, the first Easter egg of a CM Punk return was referenced by apparently a Rollins promo who used a line that CM Punk made famous while he was in Ring of Honor, which I don't know. I'm not that that deep didn't on. Didn't somebody Ring of Honor, call so. him by name? Didn't somebody call him by Phil? Didn't somebody mention Phil Brooks on TV or somebody? I, I feel I, like I somebody did. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was uh, Triple H in like an interview or something. I don't know. So the, the name was out there somewhere. I don't know. But either way, I'm with you on this. I wasn't a while ago, but I but now I see. But it's the reason that I'm for it now is I'll be honest is because I see where he could be of value. Before it was just oh we got to get him back in and just throw him into the mix. No, there's got to be something for him. Of course, but I, I hear you. But I mean, of course, there's got they got to do be strategic about it. But again, if you I just if I'm, I'm agreeing WWE, with you. I'm agreeing with I, you. I can't walk away. I can't walk away from this opportunity. They have they have everything they need for 
without the rock if they get cm punk actually even with even without cm punk they have everything they need for agreed. a solid two night wrestlemania agreed. okay agreed punk is a very realistic addition to that which which will add a whole lot of money to it and the rock would be the icing on the cake that's that's well, what it would be for me okay and i think well, you agree i do yeah. Can we please move on? Thank yeah. you. But I got 17 <laughs> other things here. Okay. Grew on the flip side, unfortunately, WWE TKO Endeavor era took its cleavers to the vast talent roster. Mm. Dolph Ziggler was among the big names released on September 14th, ending his near 20 year run with the company. The latest round of cuts include the following Rick Boogs, Aaliyah, Top Dalla, Emma, Riddick Moss, Mustafa Ali. Shelton Benjamin, Matt Riddle. No, Tegan Knox is still on there. Elias. Let me see if I have any other names. Dana Brooke, Mansois, Masse, <laughs> Quincy Elliott, Dabakato, Ulyssa Leon. Grew always said when someone loses work, but we've already talked about this. Were you really surprised when you heard those names and those cuts? By only one. And that was uh, Rick Boogs. I, I thought they, I thought they were going somewhere with. No, I thought they were going somewhere with I'm, him. I'm laughing. You just uh, like those big beefy but I, guys. But, I, but 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 the, but they were using him, and they and he he had talent. I, I love how Andy no sells my jokes. He's just ah oh, fuck Moody. <laughs> but obviously Riddle, we knew his days were numbered. But I think I actually think he'll be back eventually. But of course, uh, which I said on the text message. Yes, Moody. you did. But nobody else. I wasn't. I maybe a little bit Dolph Ziggler because. He has somehow survived the fact that he has survived where he has survived through all the other cuts that they've made. You know, this isn't the first time they've cut a lot of yes. talent in one shot. So yes. I'm, I'm surprised since they haven't been using, they've been using him very sparingly. But so I was a tad surprised by that, but nobody else, you knew Elias wasn't going to make it through this round. Unfortunately, and there's a talented guy too. They just couldn't, I don't know, every single time they just couldn't figure him out. But it, it's it's in the booking. But either way, I think you'll see a fair amount of these people back at some point. They just need uh, a good starting nut to get this Endeavor thing off. And then you'll see some more surprises. I think. Um, you mean you, you'll think you'll see a return of Daba Kato? Some of them, uh, these these uh, were talented people. This. this guy lost all sense of humor. Andy is he's right about the cuts, but he's wrong. They're, they're they'll bring back perhaps Dolph Ziggler. They'll bring back perhaps Matt Riddle if he gets his act together. Possibly, I don't. You know, Rick Boogs, long shot. Perhaps Elias if he hooks on with the AEW or Impact Wrestling and has a good run, but. Most of these people, it was so funny because I saw I was on my podcast feed going in raw and they had like a 20 minute reaction to the wrestling, to the cuts. And it's, they had that rock and roll music to start. And then it's, you hear they're sad. They're like, yeah, they're here. Can I have the floor for one? Can I have the floor for one second? It's like the Andy Gruthia show. Yeah. And Larson. So sad today, Larson hundred. And I'm like, it is sad. Don't get me wrong. It is sad when people lose their employment, but you cannot be surprised at this. And the one thing that Nick Khan has done as CEO, and I saw an article, I think by uh, Mr. Tito saying, hey, 
all these changes in the WWE, the most valuable person is Nick Khan because he's gotten them on track corporate-wise, business-wise, structure-wise, and Vince bought into it. And I think one of the things, which is the cold, hard reality, is businesses have a data sheet. They have their – my mom was an accountant for – she did the books for the clothing store, and you got to keep the books. And with Endeavor and even under Nick Khan, they're trying to keep those numbers tight, and they want to show as much profit as possible. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. They want to show as much profit as possible. And it's only a matter of time when you, you've got all the talents that are not on television at all or very sparingly, they, they're going to get cut. That's just the cold reality of, of business, wrestling, or otherwise. It's all business. If, if McDonald's bought Burger King and they became one, <laughs> half, the, half the people would lose their jobs. That's what happens when companies merge. People, because you don't, each of these companies has a head of operations, head of marketing, and you don't need two of everything. So that's, so yeah, you're going to, and you're going to have to save money and you're going to get rid of people who you're not utilizing. Why pay people who are not being used to sell the product? So when was the last time before they announced his uh, release? When was the last time you saw Elias? So my friend Scott says, you know what, it, it does, he was like, it does help them to have a deep roster because you have house shows, you have dark matches, you throw these people on there. But I, I still said to him, they have enough people that they could do that. And like, I'll miss Dana Brooke because I thought she was cute and I'd like to see her in, in her little wrestling bippy top and, you know, abs. And, <laughs> but other than that, uh, uh, no. you know, so it's unfortunate, listen. but it's the cost of doing business. And I'm sure all these, all the people on that list are talented, young enough, most of them anyway, they will land. Rue, speaking of business, going to get your thoughts, Jay Cargill, the former champion in All Elite Wrestling. She has signed with the WWE, and it's a big deal. Cargill, who was AEW's longest reigning TBS champion, appeared on AEW television as recently as two weeks ago. I think she had almost like a Goldberg-like undefeated streak. She lost to Chris Statlander on TV. Nonetheless, last Tuesday, grew. she was seen at the Performance Center in Orlando. It looks like she's going to go straight to the WWE main roster. Cargill, who's 31 years old, has been wrestling professionally for only two years. She was the first AEW TBS champion. She held the title, grew from January 5. 2022 to May 28, 2023, a span of 508 days. She's a Florida native, and she's considered a major future star in pro wrestling and beyond. She's five foot ten. She was a fitness model before wrestling, and has nearly 101 million Instagram followers. She played Division One basketball at Jacksonville University, and her boyfriend is former Cincinnati Reds baseball player Brandon Phillips. Let's be serious about this for a second. Grew, Jade Cargill to the WWE. Are you excited? Are you interested? What's your thoughts? All right. And I say this come on, not me. as a joke. Oh, I say this not on. as a joke. Okay? I know what he's going to say. All right. You know what? I'm going to say the other thing first. Okay? No, just go ahead. You've go got ahead. a Let's star. You've got a star. And, you, and the WWE signed a star. And that's never a bad thing. Okay? That's number one. Oh, the second part of it is, I don't know who she is. Okay, because you're not invested in AEW. Right, but if but you if, should. if you're actually, t- you know what, I'm going to yell at you. Go you ahead. Should. 
Go ahead. Yell you at pon- me. We, po- we pontificate on wrestling. I don't watch AEW. Uh, but I, read I, I have never. I have always made clear that WWE was the only one that I had any interest in. Whether it was T, you've watched a lot of other ones, TNA stuff well, about. I watched uh, TNA about uh, fifteen ne- years ago. I never, but, uh, but no, but you've watched these things. I've never, I never watch anything else other than WWE. Why? Because I admitted that I watched on my free Samsung TV app. They have a TNA channel. No, I, I'm, t- I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> watched, saying. I'm giving uh, awesome you credit. Con- awesome Kong. Yeah, I'm giving you credit. You have a much deeper roster of W of wrestling knowledge about different territories than i do i am a straight wwe wwf guy all right except for that nwo period in the wcw all right so then let me go right to it then on the flip side one big name and because we can talk about the two of them one big name enters one huge wwe name leaves edge adam copeland long rumored we talked about this on our last podcast yes going to he is all elite wrestling he made his debut at aew wrestle dream pay-per-view in seattle's climate pledge oh my god seattle climate pledge arena (laughs) i'm just saying i visited seattle like six years ago i was so excited i'm never going back after longtime former part tag partner christian cage defeated darby allen to retain the tnt championship all right cage luchasaurus i do luchasaurus i have seen videos newly turned heel nick wayne maybe he's related to bruce was attacking Allen and Sting. Thank you. The lights went out. <laughs> they came out to his old Metalingus theme song, which Boosh. from WWE. He hit a huge crowd pop. Adam Copeland looked for a second as if he might join Cage, but he ended up hitting Wayne with the chair. All right, look, we know what happened. He's still, he, no, no, he's still going to go by the rated R superstar moniker. <laughs> Excuse me. After the show, he was quoted as saying he's going to be a full time performer in AEW on a weekly basis. Quote, Part of coming here is I want to contribute, Copeland said at the post-event press conference. Quote, I want to help. I felt like here I'd be really able to do that and have the opportunity to do that. Adam Copeland's first match in AEW will be against Luchasaurus this Tuesday, October 10th. TNT is, excuse me, NXT is going to load up. They're going to go head-to-head. Adam Copeland's debut, wrestling debut, in-ring AEW. NXT's got all sorts of special guests. Grew, Edge, Adam Copeland, WWE Hall of Famer, is now All Elite. Jay Cardgill to the WWE. Comings and goings. Thoughts on the whole mishpucha? I was talking to my mom. Oh, stop <laughs> it. talking to my mom the other day. And I was telling her that I, was, I didn't know what to do. Um, the whole teaching thing. I didn't know if I wanted to still be a teacher. And she says, you should do. You should go play with Uncle Evan. So I'm moving. He's to, right. I am moving to Arizona. I am moving to Arizona. I am moving in. You have carte Edge. blanche. You can come anytime. All right. You you pay me back. You didn't fall for my joke either. You, it, uh, you don't I even know something? what I'm talking about. No. Uh, so I you. Don't. Did, uh, so I've watched. So I watched this more than you did. All right. So I watched when Edge. I'm still calling him Edge. When I watched when Edge came out the on the the Dynamite show, whatever. The all- I'm, the only clip I heard was he was talking to Christian Cage, and Christian Cage yes. f-bombed him. That's yes. what I heard. Yeah, all right. So I'll I'll tell you briefly. Okay. So he came out, and I only watched the YouTube clip. I didn't watch the show. Edge comes to the ring. Oh no, Christian comes to the ring while Edge is doing his spiel in the ring. 
and Edge, it, it, it was pretty good because they were talking about how they came through the ranks together. They did this, they did that. And I always like that between them. They have a very good history, and, and, and there's a lot they could do with this. Okay. Um, even, though they're, even, even though I'm still not going to watch. I'm only going to watch what they do because them okay. are interesting. Anyway, Edge said, when I was, when I, at this point in my life, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I sat down with my family. And my family, I said, what, what does dad do? Does dad retire? Does he, well, what does he do? And my little lyric, that's his daughter's name. Lyric, oh, yeah. lyric stood up and said, Dad, you know what you should do? You should go play with Uncle Jay. Have fun with it. She says, you should go have fun with Uncle Jay. Shut the fuck and, up. <laughs> so that, and that was, and the kayfabe, no, or no kayfabe, that's what it was. And, and it was a, I was like, all right, that's cute. And then Christian came down and they did, they did a thing and then they hugged. And then he's like, yeah, go fuck yourself. And then he, okay, but and then he introduced about, him, and- then he introduced him to his partner or not to his partner, to his opponent at whatever the new show is, the dinosaur, whatever the hell he was, the transformer that came out. Luchasaurus, number one. Right, and number yeah, two, right. and Luchasaurus was in NXT. Number two, okay, what are your thoughts, though? I thank you for the oh. detailed. You didn't know. I'm the... surprised you didn't watch it. It was pretty, you well, would like uh, it. I told you I don't watch AW. I read about it, and no, I, I watch the, I, YouTube. Like I said, I, I watch did, YouTube. All right, my thoughts. I um, think listen to I, the clip. I think I listened to the clip. It was on okay. either Busted Open or Going in Raw. They played the clip. Okay. I, my thoughts are I'm a little bummed that Edge chose to go to what is essentially the WWE's competition. He is a okay. WWE Hall of Famer. Okay. The reasoning he gave didn't quite make sense to me. Um, I disagree. It didn't make sense for him to leave WWE. I understand why he would have wanted to go. If if it's all about Christian, I understand that part of it. But the WWE wanted him to be one marquee name, like the guy. And if you're telling me that he didn't want to leave because he wanted to wrestle every week, these days at that age, coming back from a neck surgery, I would think that would be, A, the safest thing to do with a guy like that, and B, it would be very effective. Now, seeing him on every show all the time is going to run the well dry very quickly, I believe. That's what always happens when you get... And that's what these companies like AEW... the Because the, I, I, I was watching the YouTube clip, and you know what it felt like? It felt like old WCW in production... And in the way the announcers were talking, every part of it, even seeing Tony Schiavone, even seeing Tony Schiavone calling the action, like it just reminded me of WCW when NWO was not on the screen. And that was the only time I watched that WCW when it was an NWO thing. And that's, to me, that's, that will be my involvement here. But I don't. But I won't even watch the shows. I'll watch the YouTube clips because that's all I'm interested in. Get me interested in something else, and I'll come. But nothing that they've nothing that they've done, or that I've read about. Oh man, I wish I was watching that. Oh, I got to check out clips of that. Except this, because it was interesting to me. The same way we both watched clips when we knew CM Punk was coming back. Listen, you've said a lot. You're like the king of ranting today. Well, tee it up. I, the, I, I, what's our I topic did, today, uh, by the way? Uh, <laughs> Alien vs. Predator, and I do. <laughs> I actually have a lot to say about that film. Did you actually watch the film? Yes, I did. Make, yes, I did. And I, you know it. what I loved? I loved Frank Stallone's cameo. 
Frank Stallone was. <laughs> no. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's a good one. I'll accept that. That's a good um, one. <laughs> okay, a couple of things. I think you're shaded by your WWE AW bias, if that's the right word. Hundred percent agree. I don't disagree with you. Your reasoning with in terms of WWE wanted probably Edge on a part-time basis, still high-profile, and so I think. That was one thing. I do think the WWE only had so much. It's funny because the New York Post, they got this guy, Joseph, I think, Stankiewicz. He's like their wrestling writer, and he criticized the WWE because they don't have enough for their veteran performers. And my thing is, eight years ago, you criticized the WWE because they relied too much on their veteran performers, bringing back Undertaker, bringing back John Cena, bringing back this one. So I think overall, it's going to be a, a good move whether it's fruitful for Edge Adam Copeland because it's going to give him the opportunity to perhaps wrestle more, fresh matchups, perhaps have more feedback with creative. But if you're asking me as a pure business deal, I'm letting Edge Adam Copeland go at 49 and bringing in Jay Cargill at 31 and whatever money is money. I brought in Cody Rhodes as well. Uh, I think that's those are sound business decisions. I think Adam Copeland will end up, and same thing with Christian Cage. They'll be back in the WWE probably a couple of years too old and have one final match or whatever to retire under the WWE banner. But if you're telling me on a pure business deal, Jade Cardgill at 31, yeah, for Edge, Adam Copeland at 49.50, I think business-wise I got to go with the youth and I got to go with the – I think Jade Cardgill – going to be in the wwe's hands that creative that machine i think i I see nothing that we can't say she's not going to be a star and main eventing wrestlemania going up against bianca belair or charlotte flair in a must-see match absolutely you're saying she's a star i don't know who she is but if she's a star then she'll continue to be one and if that's so that's what you'd book her with charlotte flair because Charlotte Flair can make anybody into a star. She's all right, that- all right. I'm not. I'm not getting into the meat and potatoes of a potential feud. I'm just saying, given her, what? given Jay Cargill's the ballad of Brenda and Eddie. Given, <laughs> given, <laughs> He's trying not to laugh. Given her look, given what I've seen a little bit in the ring, given the WWE's machine. Remember, they got Cody Rhodes. Cody was getting booed out of the arena in AEW. Now, I did not watch AEW, but I did watch. He did a very short-lived reality show called Roads to the Top with him and his wife. And at the very end, it's about six episodes. At the very end of the, I watched a couple of the episodes. At the end, he was getting booed, blah, 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 blah. He didn't like enjoying being executive. Nonetheless, WWE took him, kept what, what was working in AEW, maybe nuanced a little bit. You put the machine behind it. Now he's like the most over baby face in the company. I see no, I see no ceiling for Jade Cargill. I think she's got the look. She's got, she's a star, and it looks like perhaps Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet, will be signing with AEW fairly soon. That she's coming off an injury, but to bring in Jade Cargill, fresh matchups, star making machine. I'm all for it. There. Well, based on what you say, I can't argue with that. If it's a straight up trade, Edge and Jade Carr, whatever, then, uh, it's not I, a then, trade. then, 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 but if it were, 
based on your argument and my respect of your of my podcasting God's knowledge, uh, wealth of knowledge, I'm going to agree with you. I, well, did, however, I, mean, I you, do did believe. You, did you not agree or disagree with me? I basically said on the last podcast, at 49, 50 years old, you know, the WWE going to put major dollars into Adam Copeland and get very little, perhaps, return on investment on a part-time basis. I just, I think there's an argument there. I respect Edge; he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So maybe it was kept- just too soon. It just felt, I, it, I it felt like a Lex I, Luger thing. It felt like a he's on Raw. No, it stop felt, it. it felt Lex like Luger. that. Lex Luger, Lex Luger had nowhere the career of, of Edge. My thing is, I just don't think they had a lot in the can for Edge. I'm not saying they didn't have anything. In that case, then Edge made the right move. It's just a bummer. It's the same bummer th- that when Roddy Piper walked out on uh, Nitro or at Halloween Havoc. Same bummer feeling. Oh, couldn't it have been worked out? Why go to the other guy? But I think him, he and Christian will do good stuff there. So, Andrew, when you um go to the bathroom, no. uh, do you bring your do you bring your phone in and do you read? Yeah, yeah. All right. Taking your cell phone into the bathroom to entertain yourself on the toilet may not be such a good idea, according to Stanford and Harvard trained gastroenterologist oh, Doctor Saruba Sethi. Let me guess, people are spending too much time on the toilet. First of all, so this is what he says, quote, first, using your phone while doing number two can lead to prolonged sitting on the toilet, Mm -hmm. which can cause strain and pressure on your rectum and anus. Sure. Sure. Can't Um, argue with them there. It could result in hemorrhoids, anal fissures, and rectal prolapse. Hey, sounds good to me. Hemorrhoids are when the veins or blood vessels around your anus become swollen. <laughs> Anal fissures are similar, except it's an irritating Ow. of the veins or a crack or tear in the lining of your anal canal. Woo! Can I taste your juice? And then I guess the other issue is it's a breeding ground for bacteria. So your average smart, he says your average smartphone is dirtier than a public toilet seat. So try to avoid scrolling this is really, this is really, this is really depressing. Okay, but my, all right, l- let me just stop you there because my question for this doctor is on his first point. Okay, he is a doctor, right? That yes. All right. So uh, to his first point, okay. Since when is our cell phones the beginning of people bringing reading material into the toilet? People, True, people enjoy- read books cover to cover on the toilet. All right, <laughs> that's been going on forever, so I don't buy True. it. May, but what? If that's true, then it was just as true with then than it is now. So that's not that's no revelation. Yes, when you bring reading shit into the toilet, you're spending more time on the toilet than you would if you were just going to drop a deuce. Yes, I agree. I used yeah. to bring the paper in. So all the his time. first point to me, his first point is, is not valid. Now, if his second point is because the phone's collecting germs. The same germs, you go out of the bathroom, you wash your hands, but you don't wash the phone. All right, there are probably studies that can confirm that, but... How do you wash your phone? You don't. That's the point. That's why they're saying you shouldn't bring you shouldn't bring it in there. But on that note, then that means you never wash your phone, but you wash the clothes that you're wearing. Um, you know, like, bathrooms are filled with germs. We know that. 
Um, are you? Do you have like wipes for your phone? I'm being serious. Like I'm sure there's wipes or something, right? Yeah, I I've never used one on the phone. Neither have I. I love my germs. But uh, yeah, some people theorize that the more germs you expose yourself to, the more resistant you are. The 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 the, the stronger your immune system is when. Viruses like oh I don't know COVID come around. In that case, I should be indestructible. <laughs> Damn uh, right. Just... Did you have COVID? I did have COVID. And and how was it? Was it, it wasn't that? It wasn't that bad. Worse. I had it too. I've had yeah. I've and my, I had symptoms for a day. And I, I feel, and I truly feel that my lack of hygiene is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I agree. I got Braxton the next day. I was. Like, <laughs> we... We went to pick up Braxton, and Marie. I was like, I can't go. I have COVID. Marie's like, shut the F up. You're going. <laughs> put on a mask. We're going to get our doggy. And we yeah. went and got our doggy. I think what he's saying is because, like, when you read, it distracts you. So you're sitting on the toilet. Like, for lack of a better word, this is going to sound weird, but you're all wide open down there. And then you're pushing, and that could cause real problems back there. Yeah, but my point is that's been true forever. Because phones, phones are just new technology, but reading on the toilet. (laughs) Yeah. And I read all the, I read all the time. We used to bring a hit parroter magazine or a PWI, or if I was able to find a playboy somewhere in the house, I was, I had the mad, I was a mad magazine. I do that foldy thing with the cover. Yeah. People sit and do crossword puzzles for God's sake. If anything, people were sitting more on the toilet then than they do now because they know that. Their phone's going with them wherever they go, but they're not carrying a newspaper around. I think this doctor might be backwards. Yeah, because I, I always read on the toilet. I'm clean as a whistle back yeah. there. Screw you, doctor. Exactly. All right, let's get all right, let's get one last thing before we move on. <laughs> Ninety looks minutes like, in <laughs> Do you wanna it looks like your boy Matt Riddle may have a fresh start in boxing, oh, according no. to the Wrestling Observer newsletter. No. Talks are expected to start next week for a Jake Paul. Versus Matt Riddle boxing match. This is a fight group that could draw a lot of attention. Talks right now are categorized as preliminary. Article notes that there are wrestling companies who could be interested in Matt Riddle, but he has a non-compete till December 20th. Clearly, there is perceived baggage with Matt Riddle. That could be a factor in any decision made by a wrestling company. Jake Paul may want to cash in on with his brother Logan, who is a part-timer with the WWE. Uh, hearing Gru's reaction, I'm going to assume you're not interested in a Matt Riddle-Jake Paul boxing fight or MMA or something it's like that. Not, it's not that. I actually would be. The problem is that if I'm Matt Riddle's like family or representation, here's what I'm telling him. Listen, Matt, you could make a fucking fortune in the WWE. You got to get your shit together, grow up, work on yourself, get back into the shape that you need to be in to have a healthy WWE career, and then you go back crawling on your hands and knees, and you start from scratch because you could be the top guy. And yeah, Matt, they wanted you to be the top guy, and they were pushing you in that direction, and you blew it! So now, don't go making a fu- more of a fool of yourself with this nonsense Get off your ass, keep training, get off the sauce, get off the drugs, and get back in the ring, in the WWE ring. That's where he belongs because he can do great things. It's wasted talent right now. So, no, I don't want to see him do all this other stuff because, to me, it only distracts from the problem that's keeping him out of the WWE. 
Uh, I hear you, but you're not being realistic right now. Uh, his, let's just say, if I'm reading, if this is correct, let's say December, his WWE contract is up. He's no longer getting paid. There is huge money to be made for a Jake Paul fight. And actually, if he took it seriously and did well, I don't. If it's boxing, I don't think he wins. Jake of course Paul is not. A legitimate, okay, but Jake Paul, I believe, is a legitimate boxer. Yeah. But if he does has a good showing for himself, comes in does well, could use that momentum to connect with, let's say, an AW or an Impact Wrestling, or maybe a return for WWE, though I don't think it's happening anytime soon. So I'd be interested. I'd probably watch it. And if he's going to take it seriously, I think there's a lot of money to be made. And right now, money maybe not flowing in since he's been released with the WWE. Actually, if I'm his people, I'd look at that offer seriously I, that's to be honest with you yeah i'm just looking at long term plus my bias as a riddle fan i do i do riddle i think i i he was hugely entertaining sometimes over the top but the stuff he did with orton is classic stuff i hear that orton is on his way back although i've been hearing that for two years what could have been there but either way i just don't want him. I don't want what happened to CM Punk in UFC happen to Riddle as a boxer. I don't want him to just go in and what's his face? Carlito, was it Carlito? No, Santino Morella in the the W, like the Royal Rumble. He comes in and they always show the quickest knockouts. Well, he comes you're... in and gets knocked right out. Well, I don't want that to happen to Riddle. I don't think I don't think that's happening because Matt Riddle is a legitimate UFC fighter, and so they do have striking. So there is a boxing component, but if it's a straight-up boxing fight, I would like Jake Paul to win. But Jake Paul has knocked out some pretty big ex-UFC names. I don't want to get into the whole Jake Paul argument, but listen, uh, Matt Riddle blew it. Like you said, he had a very high upside, but he had a lot of problems, and I think a lot of problems that he put on to himself Yeah, and probably didn't listen to his, his advisement. I put no judgment on any people, but going on social media with porn stars and things like that, again, doesn't help. I, I, it doesn't help. I'm not saying that these are bad people. It's just you're, you're with the WWE. It's still at the end of the day, uh, to some extent, corporate America, and you got to represent yourself accordingly. So like I remember, like I remember, just one more thing. I remember when you know, remember that that double interview with him and Rollins. Where that where they were talking about their wives and I was like, oh shit, this is gonna be fucking great, and he just keep kept screwing it up. I I I, I want to see him back because I am a fan. Oh, oh, yeah, I watched oh, Alien oh. versus Predator. <laughs> Let me take a sippy of my okay. black coffee. Grew today's okay. nothing worthwhile podcast. Two thousand four Alien versus Predator is sponsored by Cape and Willow. That's our good friend Kelly Joe. Kelly Joe. Cape and Willow. Yeah, she was uh, Cape and Willow grew was created in 2017. Did I mean Kelly Joe? No, but if next time you come on down you will. She does gifts. She does I um, like gifts. Yeah, she does custom made creations like sides made out of wood, made out of acrylics, vinyl. Can she Check bake a cake out. with two gay guys doing the thing on it? Uh, probably. Good. Yeah, yeah, probably. I support yeah. that. <laughs> I feel like there's a backhanded slap somewhere, but I won't. It's late, and I won't fight argue with that. Check out Cape and Willow on Instagram, Facebook, website, capeandwillow.com. 
Kelly Joe, give her a call, 617-895-7116. Again, Cape and Willow is on Instagram and Facebook. And email Kelly Joe at Kelly Joe, K-E-L-Y-J-O at capeandwillow.com. Alien versus Predator. Andrew is a 2004 science fiction action horror film written by Paul W.S. Anderson. It is the first film installment of the Alien vs. Predator franchise. There's some kind of major franchise. There was two films. Only two? Yes. This and Requiem? Just that and Requiem. And then they branched off again, like Predators. We'll get get into the branch off, but Gru, this came up with the whole crossover series, but going back to 2004, you got to put yourself back in 2004. When you heard that there was going to be an aliens, alien versus predator movie crossover. Were you excited for the possibilities of seeing these two guys tussle on film? Excited isn't the word. Intrigued was the word. And yes, I wanted to see it because the only one of that I can remember was Freddy versus Jason. And I really did enjoy that movie. I remember we, we did a podcast on it. So, yes, I was looking forward to it. I, w- I wouldn't say I was excited, but I was like, all right, it'll be interesting to see what they do with this. All right, but you enjoy- You may have enjoyed Freddy versus Jason, but I know you didn't give it a overwhelmingly, I think you gave it actually a fairly middling review, if not Did negative. I? Oh, my God. I don't, you don't, I don't remember. I, I, holy. Do you have any short-term memory left? Yeah keep, on hitting, yeah, keep on hitting the gummies <laughs> not, at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, no gummies. What are you talking about? You know what I'm Twizzlers. talking about. Okay, but, no. I, I, but I really did enjoy the movie. Maybe I reviewed it from a perspective, is it a good made movie? No, it really wasn't. But I enjoyed it more than your average oh, Sir Har movie. So Andrew with this... Andrew so with this critic logic. No, the, the, good, logic. The, the, the thing about this was that I knew, or at least I had hoped, they would put some money into it, which they did. So well, that I I'll say this about. back in 2004, I wasn't intrigued. I was way really excited. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was way excited I as an alien think. fan and as a predator fan. So it's weird. Cause I feel like at least you were a predator fan. I don't know. I feel like, well, well, I was, I can explain I couldn't, that. I, I can explain I, that away. I can explain that very simply. Okay. Go ahead. If you're telling me it's Alien versus Predator, I'm intrigued. If you're telling me it's Ripley versus whatever Schwarzenegger's name was, I'm like, fuck yeah. That's oh, the thing. It. That's the difference. That's the difference because that's what that's what the movie Predator that's what the movie Predator is to me. It's an Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. And Alien uh, has always to me identified with Ripley. And that's those have been the people who have intro- introduced us to these worlds and that's that's who I want to be my tour guides. But you're specifically saying they're going to go up against each other. If you're telling me they're going to be integrated, no, in the story. I would say bringing them together in some way. Them being, I would hope. My first thought when I heard Alien versus Predator was like, I truly hope they can get Sigourney Weaver and Schwarzenegger involved in this in some way. That's what I what would have excited me. But immediately they said that wasn't happening, so my excitement turned to intrigue. Okay. Wow. I-, I thought we started early enough at eight o'clock that I'll make my <laughs> granddaughter's birthday at twelve thirty, but no, I'm joking. Let's talk about some of the background. Before twentieth century Fox gave Alien vs. Predator the green light, Aliens writer director James Cameron had been working on a story for the fifth for a fifth alien film. 
Original Alien director Ridley Scott had been in talks with Cameron, stating, quote, I think it would be a lot of fun, but the most important thing is to get the story right. Ridley Scott's concept for the story was, quote, to go back where the alien creatures were first found and explain how they were created. This project, we know, morphed into Ridley Scott's 2012 Prometheus. film, Prometheus. Yeah. Andrew, have you seen Prometheus? Yes. And very quickly, what were your thoughts on Prometheus? You have uh, it was 20 a, it, seconds. It, it, it I'm was, joking. It was I'm fair. Joking. It was fair. Um, I agree. I haven't seen it in a while, but it was fair. What I missed was the connection. To, the, exactly. to me, it's the, the Ripley thing. That's what... No, my thing is... For a, I understand they like it was weird because going into Prometheus, Ridley Scott had said there's alien DNA in this film, but it's a sequel, but it's not an overt sequel. And at the very end of the movie, you get the payoff with the what they call the Deacon alien yeah. at the very end. But there's no, you get the pathogen, the black goo, and but there was no. I wanted to see more alien or more overt connection, more creativity. It was like at the very end, you got a little alien deal, which mostly the fans, that's what they were there for. That's what I yeah. wanted to see was, and I just don't think, yeah. I think it, Prometheus it was, got a little too, a little too smart for its own good, a little too art that's house. That's a very good I, way I, to put it. Yeah. That's a very yeah. good way to put it. Yeah. Upon learning that Fox intended to pursue aliens versus predator, James Cameron believed that the film would quote, kill the validity of the franchise Quoting a James Cameron, to me, that was Frankenstein meets the werewolf. It was Universal just taking their assets and starting to play them off against each other, milking it. After viewing Alien vs. Predator, Cameron remarked, quote, it's actually pretty good. I think of the first five Alien films, I rated third. I actually liked it. I actually liked it a lot. Conversely, Ridley Scott had no interest in the Alien vs. Predator film, when asked in May 12th if he had watched Alien vs. Predator, Ridley Scott laughed and said, quote, No, I couldn't do it. I couldn't quite take that step. Grew, James Cameron liked it. Ridley Scott wouldn't even give it a chance. Any thoughts? Uh, Any thoughts on I mean, comments? It's, it's actually personal, personal to both of them because Ridley, I know Ridley Scott directed Alien, but then didn't do anything. And then James Cameron wrote Aliens. And I think he directed Aliens. To, did he? Do, did Did James Cameron direct Aliens? Yes, I think he did. he did. He wrote and directed it. And but then he had nothing to do with the franchise. The idea of both of these guys coming back to the Alien franchise was super, super cool to me. But unfortunately, with Cameron, it never happened. He got stuck on whatever that Avatar thing is. That's evidently he's taken the rest of his life with. But. Yeah, case. I've seen the Avatar movies. Um, I saw the first I, one. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. Looks like a nice video um, game. The concept of Alien vs. Predator originated from the Aliens vs. Predator comic book in 89. That was Dark Horse Comics. I remember getting that while uh, at camp at the, the Binghamton Mall. I remember uh, I never knew about Dark Horse Comics. I, I was like either DC or Marvel. I didn't yeah. know there was I was alternate, Archie or Jughead. Yeah, I was <laughs> alternate companies. It was also hinted at, are you familiar with the Easter egg in Predators 2? No, and that's because I don't think I've actually seen Predator 2 with Danny you've Glover. You've not seen? You've, with oh Danny Glover. Oh, my God. I don't, what, kind of what kind of fan are you? I've never been a huge fan of the Predator franchise. The Alien franchise, yeah, but I don't know if I ever... 
I said that was with Danny right, so Glover, right? Give me a Predator brief. Two, yeah, brief. Danny Glover goes on the Predator ship at the very end of the movie, and there's a bunch of trophies. One of them is the is a face hugger. Okay. Is a face hugger skull. So fans okay. surmise that perhaps the Predator and Alien have tangled. Now there was also a Civil War error, like a revolver. That mm. they connected to Prey, which okay. I told you to watch on Hulu, because Prey is the supposedly the first Predator visit to Earth in the okay. Civil War in the 1800s. So right. they connected to that trophy from the second Predator film. So it, it's one of the more famous sci-fi Easter eggs. Uh, overall, well, you action, know what? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Knowing that piqued my interest a little bit, connect looking at Alien vs. Predator now, because I didn't really know there were some things that surprised me about the way things looked or the way things happened. So that I, I now I want to go and watch that. I'll bet I could pull that up on YouTube somewhere. So I'll watch. Yeah, it's, yeah. Is is Predator Two worth watching? Is it a good movie? Uh, yeah, it's nowhere near the first one. They take it to the uh, streets to of the L.A. City, yeah. It's there's a level of camp, so I don't. So it's not quote unquote as serious as the first one, but I did enjoy it. It's no, it's not as good as the first one, but there's some likable, definitely some likability there. And I thought Danny Glover did a great job. All right, well, at least check out that Easter egg. Plus, you got uh, Morton Downey Jr. in a cameo. Really? Now I'm in. Now I want of to check course. this out. I love Morton. That's Downey how he. Yeah, that's how Morton. <laughs> <laughs> Gru loves Morton Downey. They, who doesn't uh, love? Who doesn't love? I did too. I did too. Six producers between the film franchises. Eight years in development. Heck, finally, Paul W. S. Anderson pitched Predator producer John Davis' story he had been working on. That was based off of like a Japanese series. <laughs> he got some concept art together. And let's see here. Anderson had started to work on the film after completing the script for Resident Evil Apocalypse with Shane Salerno co-writing. Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shushit received story credit. They're, I think they're the original guys. Ronald who? Shushit. I think he's That's one of the guys. That's not what you said. Shush, please. <laughs> Nonetheless, Shushit. there was Shushit. There was quite a timeline <laughs> to finally see AVP come to life. So the story was influenced by the work of Eric Von Danigan in Aztec mythology. Anderson had the Predators come to Earth in spaceships, teach the humans how to build pyramids. As a result, the Predators were treated as gods. We're not going to go over the full plot here. We're going to go over the plot in a bit, but hearing the initial sort of concept, Predators teaching humans and getting treated as gods, does that would that pique your interest? Did it pique yes. your interest? I don't know. No, it does it, it, it because it's something different. It's something new. So the the answer is seeing that's the to me that's the whole basis of that's the whole foundation of these whole things. The human interaction with these creatures in both franchises. So anything new and interesting, and that that is something. To isn't that it sounds like that's from something else. It connects a little bit with Prometheus, with all this ancient mythology. Early reports grew had claimed the story was that the humans were going to use alien eggs to lure the predators in. That idea was scrapped. They really decided on this early civilization kind of deal with constructing massive pyramids with the help of 
Actually, the notes say that this whole idea of aliens helping humans to construct massive pyramids, that's an idea that's long been debunked. I don't know. Anderson wove these ideas into Alien vs. Predator, describing a scenario in which predators taught ancient humans to build pyramids and use Earth for rite of passage rituals every hundred years in which they would hunt aliens. Alien vs. Predator was intended to be a sequel to the Predator films and a prequel to the Alien series. Anderson was cautious. Wait, a sequel to the Alien to a, a a a sequel to Predator, prequel to Aliens. Yes. Okay, got it. Listen, they're not very clear on the timeline. So as a result, grew Paul W. S. Anderson was cautious of contradicting continuity in the franchises. He chose to set the film on the remote Norwegian Antarctic island of Bouvet. You still with me? Yep. All right, I don't see you. All right. No, that, uh, that's going to continue. It's definitely the most hostile environment on Earth and probably the closest to an alien surface you can get. Anderson thought that setting the film in an urban environment like New York City would break continuity with the Alien series as the protagonist, Ellen Ripley, had no knowledge that the creatures existed. Quote, you can't have an alien running around the city now because it would have been written up and everyone would know about it. There's always controversy whether or not to whether or not Alien vs. Predator followed franchise canon, but grew aliens and predators set in the Arctic. Does that work for you? It didn't quite work for me because it didn't it, it made things a tad more confusing. For example, all right, when I'm watching something that takes place like in an urban environment, I know the environment. I'm familiar with the environment, so I don't need to focus on the background. I know where they are. I know what's at stake. I know all that. This, within the first 30 seconds, they take us to four different places, none of which look like I couldn't even, I can't, like I said, wait a second, we're at this place. We were just over there. Um, you know, when you said just now, like one of the original scripts, you know, had it taken place in like an urban environment, I would have been like, okay, that, you know, that might've made a, made a difference, but your point is very, it's a very good one that right, would break you, continuity. All right. So I was going to ask you, what do you think of Anderson's comments about putting it in an urban environment that would have broke uh, canon or broke continuity? It would have, there's, there will pro uh, probably be, <laughs> There'd probably be some cheap ways around it. I'm sure they could have done that, but that's what it, it would have been. It would have been cheap. They could have said, "Oh, Ripley was like in hibernation during that." They could have. No, they would have done. What they would they have done? done? They could have done like Doctor Strange, and he puts a spell where MJ doesn't remember Peter. And, <laughs> yeah, oh, wait. yeah. Or somebody could have kissed Ripley, and she forgot the whole thing, like uh, exactly. Superman or something. No, that wouldn't be allowed in today because the woman doesn't want romance, and that's she true. Wants to and again, yeah. with Superman, it's like male dominating, and you can't do that. I'm actually goofing. I'm actually goofing. I know like, you are. That's but I, but yeah. Well, what, what do you think uh, about the setting? I actually liked it. Got I to see penguins. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I felt like it it leads into that more the Alien franchise, which is the claustrophobic, bleak. I'm not saying it delivers. Uh, I'll give you my final review, but I think it lent itself. I think for this purpose of this story, I think it lent itself. It it was okay. If you're going to go pyramids and all sorts of structures and heat blooms, and I think the Arctic is 
probably a good place to start. Yeah, yeah. I just I said it, I my familiarity with it gotten my or lack thereof got in the way. But by the time I got used to it, it was okay. So Paul W.S. Anderson, he wants to keep some continuity with the Alien series, so he casts Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen was the first person to be cast in Alien vs. Predator. He was casted as billionaire, self-taught engineer Charles Bishop Whalen, a character that has ties to the Whalen-Yutani Corporation as the original founder and CEO of Whalen Industries. According to Anderson, Whalen becomes known for the discovery of the pyramid, and as a result, the Whalen-Yutani Corporation models the Bishop Android in the Alien films after him. Grill, we'll get to the full ABP cast in a second, but any thoughts on the callback to Charles Bishop Whalen and Lance Hendrickson? They're doing it as a way to tell us how Bishop came to be, or yeah. it was What'd you cool. think of that? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fine. I I, it, it, I it's, not, it's not something that matters in, the, in, in Alien canon. We don't really care. We don't really care where Bishop came from. Because he's not, he's not central enough. I don't but, know if I agree with that. But, wait a second. At the same time, seeing, I knew Lance Henriksen was in this movie, and I saw his character name, I'm like, oh, this, this is cool. I'll be, I'm, I already know what they're going to do, and I get it, and I like it. So, good casting. I like, he's one of those, like, kind of C-level character actors. He's like, when you can't get, like, William Defoe. Oh, or uh, you go, but look, he's like a fourth banana in all the movies that he's in. So this is one where he actually has a character for him to reprise. And so that's why I like him in the alien movies. And to have him in this is a connection to the Ripley verse in a way. So I liked it. Every time Andy talks about casting, he always goes like, well, it's Henderson. That's the kind of guy you get when you can't get. <laughs> <laughs> a William Defoe or Robert De Niro. I'm thinking he's probably Moody's a host when you can't get but a check Ryan it out Rebal- though. But you can't get a Ryan Rabalkin or yeah, But yeah, but the cool thing for Henriksen is that for this role in this franchise, for this big I'm not I, I have my guess at the budget, I'm not gonna say yet, but the, for this big budget movie, he's number one on the list for this character. He doesn't have uh, to audition. He no, that if this is the character that they that they are basing True. So they're saying, let's get Henriksen. And that's that number one, that ups his fee. And number two, it's cool for it's, it's cool for us to see. And number three, they did a good job with the character. It, it didn't go where I thought it was going. Oh. Yeah, I think Sanaa Latham is a fairly decent name back in 04. The heroine, Alexa Wood, Woods. Grew, yeah, Lexi. Anderson reported in an interview that California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger was willing to reprise his role as Major Alan Dutch Schaefer from the from Predator in a short cameo appearance if he lost the recall election on condition that the filming should take place at his residence. I mean, come on, Arnold. Uh, Schwarzenegger. <laughs> well, Schwarzenegger, the governor, you got to go to work. Arnold won the election with a 48.3. Oh, who cares? And was <laughs> unable. No, he didn't win the majority vote. How dare he? I was unable to participate in the Alien vs. Predator movie. Uh, actress Sigourney Weaver, who started Ellen Ripley in the Alien series, said she was not. She was happy not to be in the film as a possible crossover was the reason I wanted my character to die in the first place. 
and thought that the concept sounded awful. Interesting comments by Sigourney Weaver. You had Sanaa Latham as Alexa Wood. You had a bunch of foreign actors, Raul Bova as Sebastian De Rosa. Obviously, Lance Hendrickson, Charles Bishop Whalen, Ewan Brenner as Graham Miller, and Colin Salmon. I remembered him a little bit as Maxwell Stafford. Gru, what do you think of the overall casting, and what do you think of the comments of Sigourney Weaver? Hey, I don't want any part of this crossover concept. That's a bummer. I would have liked to have seen her as part of it, although she wouldn't have fit into this story, that's for sure. But the casting... That's where my comments become negative. I believe this movie was badly casted, and Ooh, it and it, hurt, and it hurts the movie. In uh, what way? Because this is all right. So this is where I'm watching this movie, and I'm seeing okay. They obviously had a lot of money, and they spent a lot of money, and they spent it all on these spectacular special effects and spaceships and models and worlds. This movie looks incredible. Where they cheaped out was you need you needed better actors. And these actors did not have a very good script dialogue-wise either. Everything was like, we have to get to the fortress. We have to do this. We have to there's no dialogue. There's no humanity between them. It's, all right, this is the mercenary, this is the thing, this is the guy, this is the girl, this is... And then now we get going, here's uh, Waylon, he's, he's the big Expendables guy who's standing up there telling everybody what they're going to do. We don't even get a chance to meet everybody to see who they are and how... That's, the script requires that to be done during the movie, and these actors just don't do it. They're, taking, they're, they're reciting lines, they're not acting. That's a heavy criticism... But it's a criticism nonetheless. The only one who is eating up his role is, honestly, Lance Henriksen. He's an uh, old pro. I thought Sanaa Latham did a good job. Ah, it's she's a, too generic, a... not memorable enough. That's my. Those are my thoughts on the casting. They should have spent more money on, on, on more well-known and well-established, and people were better at the craft. Okay. Fair enough. We already talked about the setting in the Arctic. Before we get to the plot, what did you think about the whole ancient pyramids did that do anything for you arctic ancient pyramids did you no, get a it, feeling it, of that of claustrophobia did you did it did you i don't know did you like I, the setting no um, i i didn't because nah. it wasn't it wasn't necessary it was only it, it only served to confuse me just set the thing here's a guy who wants to cement his legacy with something having to do with something and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go take us to 17 different locales to, to tell us what the MacGuffin is. Just here these people are, they're doing something important, and we know that something is going to get in their way. All right, that's all we need to know. We don't need all of this. It doesn't, they think, they're, they think that the details are strengthening the foundation. It's really not, because that's not why we're here. We're not here to see about those pyramids. We're here to see the aliens and the predators in the same fucking room. That's why Understood, we're here. But you, you got to get them there. So yeah, it didn't. So it it just, just confused a, me a little bit. You, you can't take a predator and alien just throw them in the middle of uh, Coconut Creek, Florida. You got to find <laughs> a way. Gru, uh, how do they get us there? The plot: when a private satellite encounters an unidentified source of heat in Antarctica, 
It's found to be a pyramid buried deep underground, a search team comprising of top-of-the-line archaeologists and engineers sent to Antarctica to find out more. Once there, the team comes across signs and indicates that the place is inhabited by unknown alien species. It's not long before the aliens begin to hunt the team members. At the same time, a trio of coming-of-age predators have arrived to collect the skulls of the aliens of trophies, and the humans are caught in a deadly battle between the two warring species. Andrew, you mentioned about budget. You want to take a gander? Uh, Yeah, this movie spent money. Okay, obviously, like I said, in the wrong place, or maybe not in the wrong place, just not enough in the right place. I'm going to say it cost, I'm going to say it cost probably, definitely at least 70 million. Definitely at least, at least 70. Stop it. 60? No, it's 70 million. Exactly 70? Are you cheating? Not at all. (laughs) Not Uh at all. I want to recall. Uh, I want to contest this number. Mil- all right, and- so 70, yeah, it makes a, but you can see it. It's it's a well photographed, right, my, yeah. So actually my question on my notes is, does it look like a $70 million film? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. Do you agree? I think here it's hurt a little bit by the PG-13. Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. And the cut And the cutaways and stuff, you never really get some of that bloody payoff that you like in a movie like this. Some of it does look... Yeah, I do agree. Now, this movie does look like it's got some money behind it, but... Which... Is there, like, a, an extended R-rated cut somewhere? Uh, that's it. I don't know. That's a good question. That, that is a good question. Hmm. Gru, you want to give a gander as to the worldwide gross of Alien versus Predator? Yeah, I remember this. Obviously, it was a hit because it spawned a sequel, uh, but I remember it being popular... Worldwide, mm-hmm. I'll just go and even. I'll just go and even two hundred million. You're close, one seventy-seven point four mil. Okay, not as. What was it? Was there a domestic? Was is there domestic totals? What do I look like, Charles Bishop <laughs> Whalen? Rex Reed. Eric's? It's Rex yes, Reed. Uh, dog. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Ron Tomatoes gave ABP a tomato score. Uh, tomato meter twenty-two percent. Wow. That's wow. Low. Based on 146 critical reviews, AVP scored a little bit higher on the audience response, 39% on the Rotten Tomatoes audience score based on over 250,000 responses. Andrew Lisa Schwartzbaum of Entertainment Weekly. Uh, She just left Shul to give (laughs) her a review. To ingest Alien vs. Predator on its own slimy, divertingly synthetic terms, it helps to forget everything previously known and loved about the franchise monster aliens who get star billing. So that's not great. Cliff Dorkson of the Chicago Reader says, Dorkson? quote, yeah, expensive claptrap. Dorkson. So that's not good. Uh, Mark Savlov of the Austin Chronicle. There are just, there are a few worthy twists that makes the film bearable, but only just. Hmm. Yeah. Eddie Halter of the Village Voice says, Perfunctory battle sequences, cardboard characters, and uncreative scarums. That does lead into Andrew's criticism of the characters. Peter Howell of the Toronto Star says the film equivalent of a deep-fried Mars bar. I would like to try try that. An interesting combination that results in a gloppy mess. (laughs) It does sound delicious, a deep-fried Mars bar, though. (laughs) 
And finally, from uh, my favorite city, Seattle, uh, Eric Lundegaard of the Seattle Times says, AVP will probably satisfy its fans' most basic desires, but like most sugar rushes, it won't satisfy them for long. All right, mixed. All right, Andrew, on a on the nothing worthwhile scale of zero to four streams of acid, <laughs> what do you give Alien vs. Predator? The floor is yours, my friend. Okay, I enjoyed the experience of watching the movie. However, unfortunately, the it, it's the casting that weighs it down. And because the casting weighs it down, with a movie like this, you have to be all in with the protagonist. You have to fear for their lives. You have to be with them in on this journey. And unfortunately, they just don't grip you like that. You want them to, but it doesn't. And then it's just about, it's really the title, Alien vs. Predator. But you still need that human connection. And the lack of it made everything less exciting. It's not scary. Um, it is action-packed, and it looks fantastic, and I did enjoy watching it, so I am going to give it, what did we say? Zero uh, out of four streams of acid. acid, acid streams yeah. of acid. That's what they put on the face to mark mark the, the, the yes, victim. Yes, that's what Great. they do. They put, I they love, put Alexa. Yeah, yes, put her, and yeah. I really liked that, and I loved the that the ending with the the chest burster. Well, the um, bird alien. That's yes, the, yes. The predator-alien hybrid. Yes, marked out for that. So I'm going to give it two and a half, two and a half streaks of acid to Alien v. Predator. All right, good. That was actually very interesting, Andrew. I'll take a, I'll take a gander at it. What did I like about this film? Through all the gloss, I do think there's an interesting take or an interesting story there. You're taking it from the Dark Horse comics. I thought there was there was some interesting pieces there. You got to appreciate any sci-fi movie with Lance Hendrickson. The guy's a legend. Yep. Took takes a while to get there, but the alien predator kind of, fights kind, are like nothing worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, but all kidding aside, I did I do think the alien predator fights are pretty epic. Yes. And I thought Santa Latham as the final it girl as Alexa was a great choice. I mm. did think she put forth a good performance. What did I dislike about the movie? Predator and humans as friends. That's a tough one. Little laughable. I didn't, I didn't buy it in 2004. I'm not buying it now. Now he's Charles Bishop Whalen. So now we're adding a bishop to the deal. A tough sell for me again. As I said earlier, PG-13 takes a bit of the fun out of the movie. In terms of canon, face huggers, they're in that one room. It attacks the girl. And then five minutes later, there's an alien bursting out of her chest. Whereas yeah. in the first alien movie... It was like days with the character with John Hurt. So it wasn't the continuity really wasn't there for me. My final review, Andrew gave it two and a half. I'm going to give it two and a quarter streams of acid. Ooh. When I left the theater in 2004, I felt disappointed. And in 2023, I, I, I felt like this movie should have been more, much more epic. You've got the two greatest sci-fi horror monster movies of all time. I think it's like a slight upgrade to a generic battle, but it was the same thing with Freddy versus Jason. Look, I love generic foods. I eat generic brands, and I can enjoy <laughs> them too. The movie's not shit, but it's okay. And when you're dealing with legends such as Alien and Predator, yes to Andy's uh, Ripley and Dutch, you've got a viewer demand. It's got to be more. Instead, we got like a surface-level film that neither disappoints nor delivers Two and a quarter streams of acid. Interesting. I liked it a little better than you did. 
That's that's surprising. Tell me, are you a fan of the sequel? I hated the sequel. Really? I've I never seen it. it. I've never seen it. Absolute. I, I'll save my thoughts. Unless you want me to. It, it's All right. No, no, no. Because you know what? I, I, this movie interested me enough that I would watch the sequel. Now, you're telling me it's terrible. Am I wasting my time in watching it? Or I, I don't. Because I've seen movies get, I've hated and still wanted you to watch. I mean, you're going to get the rated R, so you're going to get the bloody action. Okay. You're going to get the Predalien, which they hint at the end of Alien versus Predator. So no, we always like those guys. You're getting the Predator-Alien hybrid. I just don't like what they did with it. The movie is shot, shot excuse me, almost exclusively at night, so it's... You never really get a clean look at the is monsters. It like aliens chasing predators in Disneyland, like <laughs> uh, it's like Middle America, and it just all right. I, I'm, I'll, I'll check it out if I if I'm not invested. Twenty minutes in, I'll I'll switch to Speaker of the House. There you go. Yes, that, that's clearly what I would switch to yeah. if I was watching Alien vs Predator <laughs> Requiem. Drew, please give us one thing you're watching this week. One thing I'm watching this week. I'm watching a TV show that has been on the Hulu service for several years and I'm just starting to watch it now it's called Only Murders in the Building with Steve Martin Short and Selena Gomez um, and <laughs> Gomez <laughs> well um, it's, weird, it's weird to say the first two names with the third name yeah. but um, it's a good show enough to keep me interested from the mystery standpoint the, my if I have one complaint about it, it's that if you've got Steve Martin and Martin Short, this is not what I want to see them doing. I don't want to see them solve. If they're going to solve mysteries, I'd rather see them solve mysteries as like the Three Amigos, but they're not. They're playing these characters who don't really reflect what makes you love these guys. They're good as they always are, but I'd rather see them doing something more that's about them rather than about it. But it's still a fun show, good mystery, bunch of twists, great guest stars. So I am enjoying Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Okay, Andrew is recommending Only Murders in the Building, Hulu. I just, I, I saw my notes and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't put any notes. Actually, if I'm to be brutally honest, I did watch a reality show on Netflix. Okay. A reality dating show called Love is Blind. <laughs> and uh, season five. And it's an interesting Oh, my God. Kind of... It's amazing. These things have been on forever, and I've never heard of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they have people, Andrew, and they're in these pods. So you can't see the girl, and you can't see the guy. And so they just talk. Oh. And then literally after a week, they pick one, and they literally get engaged. Then they meet each other outside the pods for the first time. They like take it to Cancun where they have like maybe a, a sex-filled newlywed weekend, and then they move in with each other, and they have four weeks to get married. And it's deliciously dirty. And, How do I get uh, I, Love is blind at Netflix.com. Send your emails. <laughs> send your I don't know. It's hosted by uh, Nick and Vanessa Lachey. I think he was in a boys band. He used to be married to Jessica Simpson and uh, she was on MTV back in the day as like a VJ and uh, poor kids. The only, and it's a lot of, it's a lot of what's the word I'm like, Debossary. voyeuristic fun. Yeah. 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 Cause I just want to see if they hook up and 
just want to see if I can get like a, a little nip shot or like an ab or something. Well, you know, I want to be on this show, so I'm going to look into that. You should. I think you'd love it. That I think sounds it'd be like great. Fun. The only other thing I watched last night, we had movie night, and I went over to Moni's and we watched Russell Crowe, The Pope's Exorcism. Never heard of it. I think, yeah, like a 2020 good horror. It's another one of these exorcism, religious demon, Satan, and Russell Crowe. Interesting because he kind of feels like he's in that next stage of his career where the movies are quite not like AA level and he's taking maybe a little bit of these lesser roles like and he plays a like for the, the Vatican. He does exorcisms that have to be signed off by the Pope. And he goes into some city and this kid is taken over by Satan or the devil and mirth and merriment and 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 whatever. And uh, yeah, I am a Russell Crowe fan. I I do really like Russell Crowe as an actor. It was good. It was good. I don't know. Moni loves horror movies and I'm not a huge horror guy, but starting to get into him a little bit more and not a lot of blood and guts. It's a more cerebral kind of horror film. Uh, So anyway, Pope's exorcism. With Russell Crowe, Andrew, our next episode of Van Dammit, Gru and I will double team, will watch 1997. Hey now! Starring our guy Jean-Claude Van Damme and NBA Hall of Famer Dennis Rodman. Gru, America's top counter-terrorist, usually works alone. This time he's got company. Oy vey. <laughs> Gru, let's double team. Yes, double team. I look Rodman will always be fun to I'm sure I, I've never seen this movie so I actually am Neither, looking forward to watching I don't think it. I've seen it either I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it because Rodman in, for what it's worth is never not entertaining if, if, if that's the best thing I could say so yeah it'll be fun to check out that movie yes JCVD and the worm Yes. And maybe I'll watch uh, episode one of Jean-Claude Van Johnson so I can give you my review of its meta series yeah yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> you could tell we were, we're approaching two hours and 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. We gave you 16 minutes on Alien vs. Predator and, <laughs> and 190 minutes on wrestling, pooping, and the Mile High Club. Uh, hey, hey. Uh, we are what we are. Quality, we are what we are. That's a high-quality podcast we give you, our viewer. You're damn uh, speaking right. Of, speaking of Nothing Worthwhile, interesting topic for our next episode of Nothing Worthwhile Gru and I will stop making sense. Literally, it's the 40th anniversary of director Jonathan Demme's live concert film of the Talking Heads, live at the Hollywood Pantages Pantages Theater in 1993. I believe it turned out to be their final tour, 40th anniversary. This was an Andrew Gruthius recommendation. Gru, stop making sense. Yeah, very excited about this. I'm real, as I told you on the phone the other day, I'm really starting to get into the Talking Heads as a band. And I've ne- I, I remember seeing Stop Making Sense many years ago. And I certainly probably did not appreciate what it, how great it was. And I'm about to now because I'm going to go see it in the theater. Uh, I think I'm going to see it in the theater, yeah. too. I think I'm going to... I went online. I know it's playing around here in Phoenix. I did watch... Like, I had it on as background noise. There was a Sunday morning, like, a breezy news feature where they had the members of the band together, yeah. and I just listened to it in the back of my ear and just interested. Anyway... It's funny, it's funny I, watching those. You could see how much they hate each other. <laughs> actually, I thought... I actually thought the opposite. I was surprised as how much... 
um, David Byrne interacted with the band, and it just looked like, look, there's no, there was no promise of a reuniting, but it looked like they enjoyed. Obviously, they had agreed to get back together for a PR kind of thing. Yeah, and I don't want to say too much more because I want to just go and enjoy the movie or yeah. not enjoy it and give you my. Oh, we'll, en- but, we'll enjoy it. But with that being said, they did seem to be interacting, and David Byrne spoke a lot and spoke very highly of their experiences as a band. So anyway, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to see it in the Good. theater. Stop making sense. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I'm looking All forward right. to seeing it again and talking about it with you. All right, listen, my, the poor dog's got to go for a walk. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, please take us out of here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for being with us on, uh, this, beautiful, uh, yeah, on this beautiful Saturday morning, turned afternoon, turned early evening, all during this podcast. Please join us next time on Van Dammit as we discuss all the things there are to know in the world about the movie Double Team with JCBD and the worm Dennis Robin. Following that, we will be, what do we do? Oh, yeah. Stop making sense. Yep. Everybody stop making sense right now because in two weeks we'll be back. To be two talking heads who will be making no sense for you. And until then, ladies and gentlemen, one, two, three, rip off. Hey, enjoy. Uh, we'll talk fast lane, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we forgot about that. All right.